the face where it was holding me by my throat, and it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me, and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. That they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages, and at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old, and at that point, it'll wipe religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person, I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. I am your host, Eric Slodgy. If you have an uncomfortable experience you'd like to have featured on the show, please get a hold of me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. And make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, both at uncomfortablepodcast65. Most importantly, please share the show with others and make sure you leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you can. Those are the main ways you can help in getting this show out in front of more people. And more people listening means more great guests coming forward with their experiences to share like our guest tonight. I think I just wanted to let you guys know that moments ago, I received a text message from Archbishop Christina Rake, and she has said that they have raised nearly $1,000 since her episode aired uh, for the helping the kids over in Kenya with the mission that they have going on there. So she wanted to throw out a thank you to all of you who have participated and helped make that happen. Uh, It's truly amazing to see kind and generous people come together and make things happen for the needy. And uh, for that, I am thankful of you guys. Now, tonight's guest reached out to me via email, not quite a month ago, I don't think, with a number of truly unique accounts, uh, everything from ghost encounters, UFOs, shadow figures, Bigfoot, and one that I don't know that I've ever heard of before, and this may very well be a first for any paranormal podcast, a paranormal turkey. You heard me. Let's bring him on with a warm, uncomfortable welcome. Josh, welcome to Uncomfortable. Thank you, Eric. Uh, 
trying not to laugh on the paranormal turkey. I didn't know what to call it, but uh, we'll we'll get into that shortly. But that's awesome. It was a it was definitely a, a strange strange experience. And there's several from that particular trip. Uh, it was a hunting trip that that will come up here later. That's awesome. Paranormal turkey. <laughs> that's it, man. You've heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Josh, uh, quickly, and and I. You know, I ask other people to do this when they've indicated that they, they've had uh, some kind of service. Um, you've you served in the military, and I think that's important because it airs some credibility to your ability to observe accurately things that are going on around you in stressful situations. So, if you wouldn't mind, give the uh, give the audience a quick rundown on on your military background. Yeah, for sure. Excuse me. So I joined the military um, years ago um, as a, um, in the kind of intelligence discipline uh, as an imagery analyst. Uh, A few years after I joined, it changed over to geospatial as um, kind of things progressed as as far as the needs of of tracking things and and documenting where, you know, certain locations or things happen. Um, But my predominant job was to um, analyze satellite photography. Um, but the unit I was with and the mission um, that that we were tasked with uh, actually turned into kind of the beginning stages of um, unmanned aerial vehicles and, and um, even manned aerial vehicles that were uh, taking video. So I've analyzed thousands and thousands of hours of uh, video, you know, looking for whether it be, you know, certain types of vehicles or, or even certain types of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I want to really get into the details of, of that and kind of the clarity of what we can see, but um, some of that will come out later. But, but yeah, I did that for uh, four years active duty, uh, a couple of years in the National Guard, and then was a, a civilian intelligence contractor for uh, almost 10 years. Impressive resume. Thank you. <clears throat> so but, uh, you, yeah. you did what I asked most people to do uh, before I even asked you, and that is to uh, do a, a bit of a timeline with bullet points as far as um, things, that, things that you've experienced, things that have happened, and oh. in a rough timeline as, as far as uh, those occurrences. And, uh, man, you're, when I opened up your email, I was like, man, this guy's straight after my heart. He's, <laughs> I, he's doing things I didn't even have to ask him to do yet. So, um, I was impressed with that. So let's, uh, I'll leave it up to you. Let's, let's start where, uh, where you want to. Cool. Well, I appreciate that. You know, I had been listening for, uh, probably a couple months now. I haven't been around a long time, <clears throat> but as I started thinking about, you know, or really kind of listening to, to different stories from different folks and, and their encounters, uh, I started to remember, you know, some things that, that I've experienced. And, and I think I told you previously, it, a lot of it has just become so commonplace that, you know, I've forgotten that I saw a UFO this particular time or, yeah. or something in the sky, you know, I don't necessarily know what to call it. Um, and yeah, so I'm like, you know what, like, let me just put this down on paper and, and see what I can remember and see what I've experienced and. Um, I've got it in front of me. You might hear some paper rustling just to kind of keep me, you know, on track, but I've got like two pages from 42 years of life (laughs) that, uh, we can get into. So the first experience that I, that I can recall, um, I was three years old and, um, this particular memory, um, it's, it's been there for as long as I can remember if I, if I think about, um, 
and and kind of I'll say I've talked to to my mother about it and and both my brother and sister neither one of them have any recollection of of this happening but again it was gosh four years ago uh, almost 40 years ago so uh, I was three years old roughly we lived um, in Pikeville Kentucky so eastern Kentucky coal country Um, and what I remember is, is there were some some family friends over at the house and you know mom dad these these other two kids, mom, dad, were doing whatever it was they were doing, whether it was, you know supper or it could have been a church meeting. My dad, um, my entire life, has either one been a preacher or two been a missionary, um, and my mother the same. Um, and my mother was also a school teacher. But <laughs> me and uh, another boy, another girl, you know, somewhere within a year or two of my age, were sitting around a toy box playing. Um, there was uh, the little boy was on my left, the little girl was on my right, and I was kind of uh, in the front middle. And uh, typical toy box you could think of, you know, from 35, 40 years ago, just a little wood box with a flap on it, a um, little lid. Lid was up, and we're exchanging toys, playing back and forth, and all of a sudden, a matchbook flies up three feet into the air out of the toy box. Um, I remember kind of being puzzled by it, but I'm three, I, you know, I guess I really know what to think. Mm-hmm. Um, so like any responsible three-year-old would do, I took the matchbox to my parents. I distinctly remember getting in trouble for having matches. <laughs> I was going to um, say. So, yeah. So it, to me, right. it, 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 it makes total sense that I would also remember it. I got punished, you know, so there's, a, there's another memory uh, to tie to that. I can think of I got punished as a kid. Um, none of them had anything to do with being paranormal other than this one. Um, but that's it. And, you know, who knows? Who knows what else after? Well, uh, if if I'm if I'm right, Pikeville is what maybe 35, 40 minutes away from Hellier, Kentucky. Yes, yeah, they're they're definitely neighbors. Um, and of course, we know all about it. I think probably everybody listening has has seen it or at least heard of yeah. uh, Hellier in in that series. Um, kind of something else, I guess, to note about this area. So my my parents started a school kind of a one-room schoolhouse type. I don't know how many different grades they had. It was probably seven or eight um, from probably kindergarten, the 10th or 11th grade with some, you know, some some Eastern Kentucky folks. Um, the location that they had it in was um, probably, I guess, a like an old school funeral home where, um, you know, they would do all the embalming and all that stuff you know, up in the upper floor. Um, I remember, um, so guys, we'll call it the living room. I think it was actually the actual school room, if I remember correctly, um, where everybody had school. But there was a hole, you know, the size of a coffin to fit through. And granted, there was a board, you know, kind of stuck there. when They weren't using it. Yeah. Uh, but where they would lower the coffin down from from upstairs, and, you know, that's where, where they would view. Um, there is at yeah. least one story that I can remember. Um, I, 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 verified I, got this bad, one. I got a bad visual with that. I don't like, I don't like the picture that's in my head of that, that you just described. So, um, I, my growing up, I thought this story, um, that my parents actually witnessed what I'm about to say, but, uh, apparently it was like a neighbor or some, some neighboring folks that would witness this. But before my, my parents had this, um, this house, the school, there, um, the I guess it was the third story, and this was up on a place called High Street. The third story, um, 
there was a, a room that, that looked down, kind of down the hill a little bit, and a light would come on randomly. No one lived there. No one was in there that, you know, anybody knows of. Um, but they would say that it would look like a tornado would happen inside this room and um, that it was just clothes. Like, I guess previous owners or something had left bags or piles of clothes up there uh, when they left and that these people would see these clothes just flying around past the window for, you know, minutes at a time. And then they would just seemingly just drop and the lights would turn out. Um, and, and this would happen on a, on a fairly regular basis. No yeah. So, and for anybody, I'm just going to assume everybody kind of knows here. We're talking about, you know, um, black magic, um, witchcraft, all that stuff is incredibly prevalent yeah. there. And really, any, I think anywhere when you get into kind of the mountainous areas, um, a lot of superstition, a lot of lore. Um, so I don't know, you know, how much, you know, negative energy, you know, would have affected us or affected me or attached itself um, or, or, or what, you know, what that was. I don't, I don't even want to say that it's negative. I mean, that's the connotation it gets and growing up. Or, a, or possibly even just attached to the, um, to the, to the properties. Right. In that area. Um, and it may not have anything to yeah. do with you. It may be more related to the, the area. Right. And, and more so what I was thinking was if maybe if something, attached itself to, you know, me or my family, you know, yeah. later on that would cause the, the matchbook thing to, to come up. Um, or, or why at a young age, you know, I was susceptible to seeing things and it would continue on through the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, but starting, you know, matchbook incident at three, four years old, um, through, you know, through now, um, I can, you know, recall instances of shadow figures or, or dark, um, dark figures or, you know, kind of this looming, I'll see something peeking around a door, um, you know, and as soon as I, you know, kind of look that way, you know, it's gone um, or, you know, kind of see various sizes of, of shadows. Um, and again, I, I've seen enough. I was telling you the other day that, you know, uh, as far as Waverly goes, I've been to Waverly and we'll get to that later, but, you know, I, I've got some pretty good details, some pretty good things to go off of that, you know, other people have seen to, to legitimize the shadow piece. Um, and 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 my son, my son was down there, uh, you know, and, and that was the one thing that he said was very prevalent is, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was once your eyes got adjusted, man, you just saw an inordinate amount of, uh, shadows moving throughout the place. Like it was, uh, still a place of business, still, a uh, an active, active hospital. Oh yeah, it's it's wild there. <clears throat> and I would encourage anybody. It's not a bump at all, but I would encourage anybody that they want a paranormal experience, go to Waverly. Uh, it, it's out of all the places that I know of, you're almost guaranteed to to see something. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, same same time frame. I was between three and four. We moved to Florida when I was five. Um, and there's a handful of times that we'll get through where I've had some some pretty near death experiences. Um. I, I recall this vaguely, um, and I have confirmed that it did happen. But we were at a, a park, and I believe it was called Jimmy Wiley State Park. Had a ski lift that went over to some part of the park, I guess, where you went across a gorge um, of some sort. And it, I'm sure it, it looks bigger in my mind because I was, you know, three Smaller, or four. Yeah. Um, but we were on, you know, we had, we had taken this lift to the side you have to take it to. Um, 
and some some bad weather was moving in and we we had to get on the lift and and, and head back to you know, kind of get in front of this weather especially being on a lift um and we got i don't know quarter halfway down uh this lift and the storm just came in fast and uh lightning actually struck the cart that we were on oh my word um yeah it had already started raining i'm sitting with my mom and my dad <clears throat> Lightning struck the cart or, or the the cable right where we were at and, and shook our our cart, um, and I remember starting to slip through my parents' hands, um, which I mean I've been gone. Wow. Um, but that, nothing that's much else. Terrifying, yeah. both from the aspect yeah. of being a child, but also from the aspect of being a parent to have that happen oh. while you're while you have your small child with you. Oh my word! Oh for sure, I've got several children and gosh, I mean, anytime, you know, they fall down wrong, you're like, Oh my gosh, yeah. you know? So to think that, and, and my poor parents, there's been a handful of these issues that we'll, we'll go through. So, uh, good on them for keeping whatever sanity they have left. But, <laughs> um, kind of moving on. And, and a lot of these are kind of just general time frames of, you know, these things happen between my next one, between five and 10 years old. Um, but again, Dark figure. So at this point, we're we're living in South Florida, um, well, South Tampa, South Florida. Um, but lots of shadow figures, lots of dark dark figures. Um, really started kind of, I guess, understanding fear. Um, you know, more as a child, um, super afraid of the dark, which I know you know can be can be fairly common. Um, you know, as a kid, it's, it's a typical fear. You don't know what's there, um, but it as I've gotten older um, and still oftentimes had had fear of being in the dark because I've seen a lot of things <laughs> that are in the dark, um, you know, I, I, I more legitimize um, those feelings, but I'm also just kind of funny where my head will go a lot of places. Uh, and, and I'll say this to kind of poke fun at myself, but I always wonder like, you know, if you ever thought stuff like this, like I'll come into my house, it'll be, you know, let's say you know, 10, 11 o'clock I've been out it's dark and it's quiet and you know, I'll come in and before I turn a light on, like, what if somebody sneezed? Like, <laughs> like what, what would you do? It's that, it's that unknown of the darkness. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's kind of silly to think, but I guess it's how I've, you know, I've thought some, some stuff out. Um, but um, we moved to uh, Arkansas when I think I was nine or 10 uh, right, right through those ages, my my grandparents were um, on my mom's side were were doing bad and, and gotten put in a nursing home. I moved out to their old farmhouse that had been in the family for eons. Uh, I don't know how long, but I know uh, I had several generations of, of grandparents that lived there. And uh, we were on our way out the door somewhere. Um, I want to say it was to church, but I'm not a hundred percent on that. And um, I looked out the side window. No, uh, it wasn't. I'm sorry. Um, I was actually going to go out to play basketball. Um, there was a, a slab where a former house of some grandparents lived, um, maybe 75 yards away. Um, and we put a basketball go up there. I love to shoot, shoot basketball. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I'd, I'd grab a ball and I was going to head out there and, and glanced in that direction. Uh, just as I, I passed the window and I stopped and I saw these two people. Um, they were older, um, they were dressed very well, suit dress, um, and, and each of them was carrying a suitcase and it, it looked like they were, um, actually above the slab, kind of about, you know, maybe 
what a, a normal stair, you know, steps would be leading into a house. And they actually, you know, came down to about ground level. And, and when they hit ground level, they disappeared. Um, oh, yeah, I freaked out. Um, and I don't remember what my mom said. I probably should have, should ask her before the show, but I think it was probably two or three weeks where like I refused to go outside by myself. And, you know, this was late eighties, early nineties. So yeah, the way you're describing, I don't mean to interrupt you, but the way you're describing yeah. it makes it sound like that slab may have been the, the leftover or remnants of a, a previous dwelling. Correct. That's, that's my understanding as well. Um, and, and that's where they would have lived. Um, yeah. That was the only, other than where we, the, the home that we lived in, that was the only um, structure outside of, you know, sheds and a little barn to keep dogs. Uh, that was the only structure that was ever built on the property. Wow. Um, and so I described it after I calmed down, described it to, to my mom and she made it seem like based on my description, that was like my great, great grandparents. Um, okay. And Never understood. So, you know, growing up the way we did, it, everything was good or bad. You know, it was it was God or the devil. Right. Um, and if it if it didn't line up with you know, I don't want to say biblical principle because I mean, if it, if it just didn't line up with one of those, like it was demonic, it was Satan. Uh, there was no there's no middle ground. Right. Uh, there's no real understanding of that either. Um, so a whole lot of it didn't you know didn't really get discussed after that. Um, but it, it definitely colored how I saw things. And I mean, back then I would, you know, grab the BB gun and, and meet some kids down the road. It was an old dirt road. Um, and just outside of Falk, Arkansas, you know, we'd, we'd be gone all day. Yeah. It was one of those, well, we'd be home before it gets dark. Uh, and we'd be out doing what boys do. Did you say Falk? Um, Falk, Arkansas? Falk, yes. <laughs> wow. You, you made the, you made the rounds, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. I lost you. Goodness gracious. There you are. Yeah, you went you went dead there for a second. Wow. Oh, what's going on? Uh, you know, I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna s- s- read anything more into it than right. needs I was to trying be. not to. But um you know, I've had I've had a number of a number of interviews that have I've had these kind of issues with, and it always seems to be when we're talking about this type of stuff. <clears throat> yeah. And I've wondered, I kind of thought about that, kind of wondered about it, um, you know, going into the show, like, I wonder if, if I'm going to get some legitimacy, you know, out of the things I'm saying and talking about. Um, well, in full transparency for the listeners, um, when we first, when I first contacted Josh, um, we were doing a Wi-Fi call, and because he doesn't have great cell service around his house, um, but we we're having issues with that because his voice would become really electronic sounding, and then it would just kind of fade off. Um, and then I, I suggested we took a break, and I suggested you know let's just try a regular cell call. And it had been good up until that point. Um, and now it seems to be good again. Um, so, yeah, go ahead and get back to that. Um, it's just, it's, you know, I mean, it's electronics, right? 
Right. So you never know. Yeah, you never know. I mean, it could be weather. It could be bad cell service. It could be any number of things. We could we could have been talking about a paranormal turkey, and it could happen. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, interesting though. Just to make note of. Go ahead. Go ahead with your, what you were talking about. <laughs> um, okay, so we're we're gonna. I'm actually gonna kind of backtrack just slightly to to make my timeline make sense. Um, before we moved to Arkansas, when we lived in um, South Tampa, and I'm not gonna speak much. As my brother um, has has mentioned or mentioned years ago, we talked about this in a long time. We our predominant conversations are Bigfoot nowadays. Um, but I remember him telling me stories of him looking out his back window. There was a small window, uh, kind of where the head was, um, where he would see what he called the film battles. And maybe I'll call them film battles, but it was basically where there would be two, you know, lights. But I'm going to call them stars. They're they're high enough where you're not going to make out an orb or, you know, a craft. But where there would be, uh, like, multicolored lights that would kind of stream across the sky at each other. And apparently this was, you know, happened uh, to him uh, several times. Um, but something going away from darkness or darker things that, that I felt um, is, is positive. And I mentioned this one to you the other night. So I think I was 10, I could have been 11, um, but we were at uh, a home church meeting or Bible study, whatever you call it. Um, Josh, I was in the other room doing Josh, sorry. I got to interrupt you. You're, you're just, I mean, there's. This is wild, man. I've never had issues with phone calls. We we spoke, you know, a couple of days ago for over an hour. Yeah. Had no issues. Yeah. And I was actually in a worse location. And now you're. It wasn't now on Wi-Fi. Now you're crystal clear. Strange. Let's see. So, Let's I, see. I mean, I, I got something about, you know, colored lights in the sky. Okay. Um, so, my brother, um, he, he witnessed um, what, what we call or I call um, UFO battles where he would, he would see these, uh, these colored lights that would essentially shoot back and forth at each other um, over, over some distance in the sky. There wasn't... I think um, they were in space, I believe. I don't think there was, you know, a, you could tell a craft or an orb, but I, I believe that they were uh, something that he witnessed in space. Um, but but that's it. I say that because I'm going to have some, some similar, um, I guess, experiences or encounters. Um, can I ask, can I ask how, was, how was he viewing these? I mean, just so, like bare eyesight, or was he looking through a telescope yeah. or binoculars or? Bare eyesight, um, but I know, I believe he had a telescope. I, I was real young, but his, the head of his bed backed up to a window. And so I guess he would lay in his bed and he could see out the window kind of up into the sky. Um, and that's how, that's how he would see things. And, and I would like to get him in touch with you if it's something you want to do, because he can really speak to some, some crazy stuff in the Pike County area. Yeah, um, absolutely. They're, they're in Kentucky. Um, that I'm just, uh, I'm not quite uh, I'm having the level of details. He's actually, you know, we've been talking about this type of stuff since I was probably you know, 12, 15 years old. And I can't believe this. I, I'm, you're, you sound like, you sound like electronic pudding. There's, this there, is crazy. 
I'm, I'm gonna let me let me try calling you. Okay. Hello. Okay. Let's try this again. This is getting wild. You know, it is, it's strange. Um, you know, I conduct my interviews every week, sitting in the same spot in my house. My equipment never breaks down. It's always in the same position. I'm always in the same seat. <laughs> it is... And, you know, I've got nearly 100 episodes. Um, I have had issues, but rarely. Um, and they always do seem to accompany this kind of conversation. And I wonder, you know, um, here, here's, here's something that kind of floats through my head. And, you know, your family, mom and dad, very religious um, spent their life doing the Lord's work in one way, shape, or another. Um, you grew up in that environment. I know nothing about your um, religious beliefs or your practices uh, nowadays. Um, but I've talked to other people that I've had these kind of experiences with who have had similar upbringings. And it makes me wonder if if those people are targeted a little bit harder by, um, you know, and here we go again with the, you know, it's either good or it's bad. And mm -hmm. I, I know several people and one, one dear lady who I think the world of, um, I, I recently asked her and she's like, there's only good and evil. There's, there's no, there's good, there's good and bad. That's it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there's in between, uh -huh. you know, I think, I think, I think if you're, if you're just going to stick with there's good and there's bad, um, I think personally, I think there's in between and, you know, when somebody is so rooted in that only two sides, do they get tested? Uh -huh. You know, are they, are they under more pressure by, I don't even know what, you know, whether it's spirit, whether it's, I don't know, influence. Um, does that, does that carry through their life because they are so devout and so, um, so tuned into only one of two answers, you know, are, are these things, are they trying to, are they trying to um, make people aware that there is more in between, you know, or is, is it sure. just naturally something that's, you know, negative or evil that's trying to influence somebody who, and, you know, make them fall away from their faith. I don't know. Um, but it, it's, it's strange. For sure. Um, and, and I've thought that before as well, you know, having to, to reconcile how I grew up versus more how I believe, I, I still believe, 
um, you know, that there is a supreme creator. I believe there is, you know, the, the God that Christians, um, you know, worship, pray to, whatever you call it. Um, I believe his name is Jesus. Um, you know, I, I believe a, a lot of what the Bible says in, in, in context, but I also believe that a lot of the interpretation and a lot of the details of, of those timelines and those things um, have been either glossed over or, or well, been for pretty um, So, I'm, I'm open to, to lots of different things and open to those ideas, but it would not surprise me if if that were the case or that was going on. One comment I will make is that I have not lost you. you I've, I've heard every single word that you said, and it's been crystal clear. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I haven't had the first issue on my end. What? So that's why I'm like, this is really getting crazy because I hear you just fine. Um, oh, not, see, not I was... Issues since. Not since we first talked, which we were on the phone probably you know, 30 minutes before we before we jumped on air. So Yeah, I believe it was 37 um, minutes uninterrupted before we started yeah. recording. Yeah. So, and yeah, and again, I haven't had the first issue uh, with, with audio from, from hearing you. So I don't know what to make of it. We'll, we'll keep going as long as we can. And if, uh, if we have to, I'll, I'll plan a trip up north and we'll do it in <laughs> studio and see what happens. <laughs> Because uh, um, yeah, well, trying to do forward. So, what I was here to try to get into was a, a more positive aspect of something happening. Um, you know, that's not the we were. Just, just stop. <laughs> just stop. Just, just stop because this is, this is. Do you, <laughs> do you have access to a, a, like a laptop that has a, um, uh, microphone and, This is crazy. All right. Let's so let me let you send me a link because we can probably do that quicker than I can get in here and figure it out. I've never I've probably put five hours on a laptop in the last seven years. Let me grab my power cord real fast. So I've been thinking this, man, like, you know, for even before we, we spoke on, uh, on Monday, like I got a feeling, but I don't know, you know, and I don't want to read into things or look into things or, you know, put something out there that just isn't a thing, but yeah. kind of in my head, I'm like, well, you know, if there's a, a one's and that's just, and kind of talk about one particular thing. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah. And I actually have ridiculously good internet too. 
like that terabyte whatever stuff super high speed which that's what I call it should have worked you know Okay, you should receive a email as an invite to Zencaster. Got nothing yet. Seriously. Dead serious. I'm you're going back between spam and inbox. If the night continues and, and we're we're calling a stop to this, I'm <laughs> Say that one more time. If it continues on, and we what? If we have to, you know, pause for for tonight or something, I'm going to be alone in my thoughts for a while tonight. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, I had I had some very similar stuff happen with Emily, um, Emily Holquin, back oh. <clears throat> back. You know, I think probably within the first thirty episodes. Um, every time she started talking about this spirit that was messing with her while she was stationed in Korea, mm-hmm. I had power go out at the house on a sunny day, not a cloud in the sky, no wind, no nothing. Power went out, came back on, continued to record. Everything from that point on was trash. It was completely worthless couldn't get up i remember hearing about that or hearing that episode yeah and then we rescheduled we went to do it the next weekend and she got back to that part again and we started having call drops and back and forth and i think there was like 12 different calls back and forth um where she could hear me but i couldn't hear her vice versa um weird uh, busy, busy signal tones, like from an old style, uh, uh, landline. Um, mm. it was, it was a nightmare getting that damn show finished. Unreal. Still nothing. No, man. I'm, I'm, I'm refreshing every year. Okay. J O S H dot P P dot at gmail.com correct that's it been using that for about 10 years invite sent successfully alright I'm going to refresh double check spam nothing there nothing in my inbox Not gonna lie, I was willing to chalk up up to just bad service. I mean, lunch right here, but uh, I don't know now, man. Because <laughs> now it's not even bad service. Now there's just a, an email floating in the wind somewhere. That's over. I'm really trying not to like think into this, but my God. All right, we're going to test this real quick, and I'm going to send a invite. 
like to myself. Did you just hear something? Uh, it's like a almost like a buzz. Like this is um yeah, a slight that it's like that electronic sound that I keep saying that your voice goes into. I guess that's what it was, but it, 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 I think it was you weren't talking. I don't know. Just something jumped in my ear. Just sent myself an email. Interesting. I'm not getting it either. I'm going to really play devil's advocate. Do me a favor and send me just a regular email. Like, what's up, fucker? <laughs> send me something done on. Should be from uncomfortable. Nothing yet. There it is. No, I got it. Yep. Says test. skin a cat so let's uh let's try skype even though i've barricaded myself in our master bathroom slash i came out of the safe i've got like a four by four walk-in safe uh, came out of there when we first started having issues. My wife is the true hero of the night, so I've not heard my children that are uh, five and three yet. Yeah, and I don't want to. I don't want to put her into. You know, I don't want her going into over duty with uh, making this go too long either. So. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no, we're 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 good for now. If it if it gets me thirty nine o'clock, she's going like, okay, her kids turn bed. I'm going to bed. But she's she has been. I mean, my biggest supporter, biggest fan, and when I told her I wanted to do this, she was like, cool. Like, how can I help? Like, if you can keep our, our wildlings quiet for a little bit. Did you already send that? I did. Okay. Says you're, well, it said you were not online. Now it says waiting for Josh to accept invitations. Stand by. Uh, you know what? I don't know that I have Skype on here, stand by. Just kind of figured that was already on here, but I can't tell you how many years 
It's been since I've used Skype. Let's see. Where's Skype? That weird little buzz again. What's that? I just heard that weird little buzz again. Oh, I did not hear it on my end. All right. Skype is thinking. And you haven't had any interruptions in my voice. None. None at all. Oh, I'm sitting on the toilet, by the way. Whoa. What in the world is that? Are you hearing that? Well, that was interesting. You hear me? There you are. Yep. Okay. Did you hear all that weird shit happening, like just before you hung up the phone? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was that was odd. I don't know if it was like reverb or yeah, it was something. That was. Or else we're picking up on. I almost had to pull the earphones out of my ears. It was so loud. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well. Hey, we got we got voice. So. <laughs> so far, so good. Yeah. All right. Um, man, do you remember where you were at? You were just getting ready to start talking about. Yeah. Yeah, we're good. So, uh, 10, 11 years old. I'm at a uh, a church home meeting, uh, Bible study, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm in another room. I think I was a kitchen, like doing homework. Um, and my dad calls me um, into the other room um, and asks me to, to pray for this lady. It's an older lady. She was sitting on a chair and then had her both of her um, legs propped up on like an ottoman. <clears throat> I said, all right, cool. What's, what's wrong? And they took her shoes off, and she had my special um, shoes. Uh, they gave her height on one leg. One leg was... Um, I believe it was like an inch and a half, two inches shorter um, than the other leg. And uh, that was like, oh, I, I want you to pray that, you know, just however God leads you to pray, um, you know, just, just pray for this lady. This is, you know, the, the issue at hand, but just, you know, whatever you feel. So, okay, cool. So I, I couldn't, I don't know what I prayed exactly, but um, I asked for, you know, if, if it was God's will for this lady to, you know, for her, her leg to grow and, and catch up. And uh, as I was praying, it, it did just that, except for uh, it was her right leg that was shorter than the left, um, because that was the side I was uh, standing on or kneeling on. And her leg, dude, it grew like it was, you know, looked like this, and it, it caught up, and then it surpassed the original left leg by like an inch, inch and a half, and then the left one caught up. Um, Jesus. I was, you know, pretty shocked as a as a child, and everybody else was, you know, pretty ecstatic. How um, old were you at this point? Uh, I was 10, 11 years old. Um, and they measured this lady, you know, after the fact, and I guess she was like an inch, inch and a half taller than, than when she walked in the door before this happened, so... 
um, say kind of going back, I don't know how much got picked up, but this was, you know, kind of one of the more positive um, experiences that, that happened, um, you know, to, to bring some light to a lot of strange things I've seen. Sure. But, but yeah. Interesting. Was was that something that uh, that your your family was involved with, like, on a, on a regular basis, you know, having, praying over people and having, you know, things healed or sicknesses cured or yeah that was kind of the i guess that level of faith how we grew up where i'm kind of always described it as kind of the signs and wonders um you know prayed for the sick to recover and um you know spoken tongues and people you know falling out under the influence of, of the spirit that type of thing um so it wasn't necessarily something that was you know out of out of scope for right. family in that group, um, you know. But that, as a young kid, you know, seeing that's probably the first, you know, quote unquote miracle, I guess, that I'd experienced, um, you know, to that point, and something that you could even see physically. You know, you can hear of someone that got prayed for and you know got healed of, of cancer or you know whatever the case was. Yeah. Um, but to, to physically you know, see a representation or manifestation of, of that faith and that type of thing was, uh, was definitely something unique. And then really the, the only time in, in my life that I can recall ever witnessing something like that. And what does that do to your faith then? When you see something like that, is it, is it incredibly impactful? I would think it would be. Um, you know, looking back on it, yes. Uh, as a, as a kid, I don't know how much of an impact it really had. Um, for for me, religion growing up and Christianity growing up was was a must. You know, there wasn't a choice. If if the church doors were open, we were there. Yeah. Um, you know, I I remember vaguely, but I know the stories of my my parents, my the church that my dad pastored, where we actually lived in the basement. I took baths in the baptismal. Um, so it, it was something that we were we were always there. I didn't have a choice whether I was going to church or not. Like I went to church. So um, it wasn't until my later teens where I decided to go figure out, you know, stuff for myself. Um, and I did that for a while and, and, you know, got super involved in church and, and my faith and spirituality. Um, and, and like a lot of folks, I think got burned out um, by, you know, regular human experience. You know, nobody's perfect. Um, but in the church setting, you like to think that, you know, you're not going to get judged. And, and ultimately, a lot of times it turns out where that's the one place that you are going to get judged. Right. Um, you know, so I, I, I moved away from that um, in my early adult life. Um, and, and probably for a solid, you know, 10, 15 years, wasn't really anything that I, I pursued. I didn't go to church or um, didn't really care to be involved. Um, <clears throat> but looking back on it, you know, I, I can see where. Um, it kind of guided me with some with some things through my late teens and, and looking at my faith. But and can I ask where are you at now? Uh, you know, as far as your faith is, uh, I mean, are you you know have you come full circle? Have you gone back to what you grew up with, or are you you know a little more mainstream with with your beliefs? Um, I mean, I, I'm not asking you to get particularly in depth with it just sure um i would say i don't want to say come come full circle because i've i've matured and 
kind of the how I believe and, and the what and the why are, are a little more different, a little more meaningful. Uh, I do regularly attend church. Um, if, if I'll say this, if for nothing else, it, it's a positive environment um, that, that helps me grow. Um, I like the environment that um, it puts around my children. Um, and, and I do believe, you know, like I said, I do believe in God. Um, I'm kind of more on the oneness doctrine, you know, where the God of the Bible um, is, in fact, Jesus. Um, and, and he is the, the one true God, um, as opposed to the Trinity. I, I don't necessarily believe that there's three of them sitting up there. Um, right. But but that's where I'm at, and, and it's still a, a growing learning process for me, even, you know, um, kind of this late in the life. Um, and especially with the different questions of, you know, whether it be aliens or demons or other dimensions, I haven't figured out where I land with my faith there. Um, I just know I believe in certain things that I can't reconcile with the Bible. Which leads me to what I was going to ask next was, you know, are you of that there's only only right and wrong, only good and bad, or are you in belief that there is the in-between? And it sounds like you believe in the in-between as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't think um, the Bible and how it was taught versus how I grew up is is it. You know, there's, there's a lot of supernatural in the Bible that's not, you know, portrayed in, in a lot of churches. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, so... And, and I don't know whose show it was on or, or what guest it was, um, but I believe the kind of the point that was made was, you know, the the Bible isn't necessarily just a historical document or a, a how to how to live your life. It's a way to become a supernatural or a spiritual being, uh-huh. eternal being. It, with with that context in mind, if you look at it and, and think of it kind of an open mind, it makes total sense because. You know, our our goal is to ascend, which is also the same in a lot of other religions, which brings up a lot of other questions. Exactly. Um, (laughs) um, But yeah, that's where I'm at and and trying to figure it out. But I'm I'm looking at it through the lens of uh, the Christian faith. I'm just open minded. Um, You know, the, the archbishop has been helpful in at least being able to explore some of those ideas and those thoughts that aren't you know, widely talked about or, or considered or even, you know, discussed among uh, mainstream church or church goers or pastors. I, just, I love her to death. She's, uh, what a, what a amazing woman. Um, such a breath of fresh air to have somebody from historically, you know, uh, a perspective that does not entertain that at all. And in fact, encourages you not to look into it to um you know the way the way she approaches it it's uh i just absolutely love talking to her and you know the the time i mean both of my episodes i believe were two hours plus with her and they went by like a flash man i mean i couldn't believe you know that we had to wrap it up and uh, thankfully she said she was good for another 15 episodes so uh (laughs) we'll definitely be hearing from her again we'll all look forward to that for sure so where do you want to move on to from that? We'll just stay chronological, and we've lost uh, we've lost some time, so I'm still only about 12 years old right now. But uh, we're going to go into um, what I'm going to call UFOs. Okay. Uh, my 
two first two encounters. Um, I was 12. <clears throat> we had, um, my mom and I had taken a trip to see some family in Canada. Um, so at one point I was there with some cousins and uh, we were at some friends of theirs house up in the mountains and we were playing uh, like hide and go seek at night. Um, up in the mountains, you know, like zero air pollution, um, super clear night. Uh, myself and one of my cousins were hiding in uh, the back of a truck, just being still laying there, looking up at the sky. And I noticed a straight, absolute straight line of five stars and uh, pointed out to them like, dude, look at that. That's, you know, looks kind of unique. They were, you know, fairly close together. Um, didn't look like any part of constellation that, that I had known of at that point, which I was starting to get into, you know, learning about the constellations and stuff. And uh, we watched them for, you know, just kind of looked up at them for, I don't know, maybe 30, 45 seconds. It wasn't very long. And then all of a sudden, they started spinning around in a circle like they all five went to form a circle and i've always it, it almost reminded me of something you would see from like an old like asteroids video game or, or something <laughs> yeah but they, they spun around i mean ridiculously fast but they maintained um their their distance from each other in speed it was all uniformed um and then they came together into one bright star if you will um, they all one, converged into one? Correct. And then split up. But you could watch all five of them split like an explosion, and they all went in separate directions and disappeared. Oh, wow. Um, Man, I just heard about something extremely similar to that um, very recently, like within the last week and a half or so. Really? Yeah. Same, Almost the same description, almost huh. to a T. It was, I mean... It, I remember it, you know, really vividly. Um, I haven't seen anything like it since um, to that extent. And most of all but really two of any UFO experience I have has always been that. It's, it's, it looks like it's been in space and it's just been stars that are moving. Yeah. Um, there's only been two other times that, and, and we'll get into those here shortly, that it, it was something that I can visibly, visibly see. Um, Again, through the 12 to 15 year old um, time frame, dark figures again. That's just, I'm not even going to bring that up again. You can just pretty much figure that from the time I was three till, you know, probably last week. It's something that I, you know, I will see frequently. Uh, Let me ask you something, you know, because I've experienced dark, darting shapes out of the peripheral of my vision. Um, I can't say that they were humanoidish looking. I can't say that they were uh, on four legs. I can't, you know, it's a, it's a dark flash. Not, I mean, and I don't mean that. And it, it's just a, it's a darting movement of something that's dark. Um, I don't have any, I don't have any experiences like that where I'm seeing a, uh, a recognizable shape, so to say. Um, your, your, your envisioning um, something that is recognizable, correct? More often than not, yes. <clears throat> um, most of the time, there is some form of, we'll just say humanoid form. No. Uh, varies in size um some of them have been kind of cartoony in size and we'll get into that in a little bit but 
I mean, I've, I've seen some that were probably 30 and 40 feet tall. Um, oh, Jesus. In, Are you serious? Yeah, when I was in, Af- in Afghanistan, um, and this is, we'll get into the, the part about the Reiki session, but it was shortly after that, and I wish I knew a whole lot more about Reiki before I, I did that and what I believe I opened myself up to. Um, but, yeah, it was probably within a month or two after that I, I'd been home um, and done a Reiki session and um, it was a, a super cool experience and, and got over to Afghanistan. I was in Bagram, and I was walking back from work one day, and all of a sudden, I mean, they came from behind me, behind my left, and they were basically running and kind of bounding on top of some hangers um, and, and just kind of kept on going. Um, and and I, that would happen for, I would notice that probably two or three times over the course of about a two week period. Um, and then, and then it was nothing like I didn't, didn't notice anything like that again. Um, but they were, I don't know if you've seen the movie, the princess and the frog, um, but those kind of tall, lanky, uh, the shadow, they call the guy, the shadow man, not his version, but the version that, um, you kind of see later on. No, I haven't seen it. <clears throat> Just a, you know, rated different movie, but anyway. But uh, you're, you're saying you're, you're seeing multiple, multiple 30 foot shadow entities like literally playing on top of hangars and and buildings yeah i don't want to say playing they were they were running i'll just say towards something i mean i'm assuming there was an objective yeah. uh, but i mean you know jumping and bounding sounds more realistic i guess to describe i mean essentially it would have been a step or a light hop for them um jesus that's that's insane but then they would you know based on where where i was at um near the near the airfield there um they would just kind of head off to where you know there wasn't a whole lot of light uh and then i would lose them um but it was it was something that would only happen or, or when it happened it you know it might last 10 12 seconds um it was it would come and go that fast i mean have you you have that that's insane yeah and that's really there's only been one other time where i've seen anything uh that reminded me of that um it was just a few years ago where i saw um a tall shadow figure um i'm gonna i'm gonna guesstimate that it was eight to ten feet tall because it was bent down looking in the front window of my house um and then that was shortly before we we sold our home and moved um, and right after that, um, I would say within, within two weeks of that happening, my wife and I were sleeping one night and it was two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. And we both shot up out of bed. It sounded like our, um, our flat screen TV on the wall had fallen off the wall. Um, just this loud crash. Um, I got up grabbed a weapon and cleared the inside of my house, cleared the outside of my house. If any neighbors were up, they thought I was crazy because I'm running around and boxers and a weapon <laughs> doing military stock clearing on my home. Um, and there was not, there wasn't a single thing out of place. Um, nothing off the walls, nothing, you know, no, 
no curtain hangers down. I mean, nothing. Um, and where it sounded like it came from was actually like in our bedroom on our back wall. Our, our bed was up against the wall. Um, and there was a, a picture that hung above our bed that was still in place. But otherwise, everything else that I've seen outside of Waverly Hills has been between four and five and a half, six feet tall. Wow. You know, I can't help but, you know, like throughout throughout the conversation so far, you know, with with the environment that you grew up in and, and the things that were going on, uh, you know, religious-wise with... Uh, what your parents did and 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 how you were brought up um, i keep i keep getting pulled back to um, you know your your earliest experience at three or three or four with the the matchbox you know mm-hmm. i've talked about this on other episodes where you know i think if if you're hounded by parents to, you know, stop talking to your imaginary friends, stop, stop acting, you know, stop talking to other people, you know, make believe stuff, you know, when you're a kid, um, I think those kind of things kind of close you off to, and in some way your mind, even if you do see something or experience something, your mind is very quick to, um, dismiss it, forget it, and replace that event with something that makes more sense to our brain. Mm-hmm. And you know, like with you, I get the I get the impression that that hasn't happened to you. You know, you you were in an open space as a child. And you continue to be in an open space as far as your mind and what you're, you're visually what you're able to take in. <clears throat> and, and I keep going back to it's like, you know, are people who are that devout and have had that kind of upbringing, are they more open to having experiences? because it's testing them because I, I don't know yeah that's that's been a big question for me uh, growing up and especially more the last few years that I've you know really started to think about the, the why to this and you know, we spoke before and he said out of, out of everything as far as coming on the show and, and really starting to dig into the things I've experienced like I just want to know why. Like there, to me, there has to be a reason. I think it's one thing if you have a Bigfoot sighting or uh, sighting or a UFO sighting, but to continually have stuff and, and see stuff um, and, and to kind of run the gamut of you know four or five you know different paranormal supernatural things. Yeah. Um, well, I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about because you know I've my my stuff started at around five years old and you know i i had joked about it on the show before and i said you know if i sat down and talked about everything that i've had happen in my life that is strange and bizarre you know everybody'd think i'm nuts you know it's like oh yeah you had one of these oh yeah you had one of these and it's like well but i did and 
you know, it wasn't until I did an overtime segment with uh, the confessionals where I, I pretty much laid everything out that I'd ever had happen. And huh. when I got done, I was like, yeah, you're nuts. You're, <laughs> you're an absolute loon. Everybody who's going to listen to this is going to be like, that guy's off his freaking rocker. But I think, I think when you, I think there's something to when you're open to it and you have an event. There's something recognizes that, and and you're, you know, whether that's within you or whether it's outside of you. It it seems like you become a. I want to say a magnet, but I, I think it's almost more of you become a window to those things. And I, I don't know. It's, it's so strange. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. And, and maybe one day we will, and maybe one day we won't, but you know, I'll continue to document and you'll continue to document. And hopefully, you know, the more we do, the more we'll find out and continue to, to grow and expand our minds that way. Well, and I think it's—I think this is the—this is the one thing, in particular, that is is valid about my show and shows like it. And it's you know, we're giving somebody a platform to come on and talk about all the the nut stuff that <laughs> that they've had happen, without being judged, without being cornered and and questioned, and to just be able to talk talk it out you know I, th- I think that's uh i've been told numerous times it's cathartic you know to whether it's a bigfoot experience that nobody's ever talked about before or whether it's you know a strange small little one-off thing that happened years ago you know people want to be able to get it off their chest yeah for sure that's that's kind of where I came from after you know listening for a while and and again I mean kind of the hopes and the thought that the more I you know dig back into this and the more I talk about it not only the more will uh, will I remember maybe the more that I will you know start to put the pieces together because I've never just sat down and, and talked to anybody about you know a, a lifelong series of events it's always been you know a one-off to of oh yeah i remember the time where you know x happened um you know so that was that was kind of my thought and we'll uh we'll con- continue that and and see where it goes all right where are we going to now oh all right well we're going to go into astral projection so i've done this one time this is the only time uh it it wasn't by choice. Uh, it just it just kind of happened. Um, I was, I think, fourteen. Uh, yeah, fourteen years old. I was actually on the phone with a girlfriend, and I don't know what brought this up. Um, and and I, I've been trying to figure out like how this conversation or where this conversation went to uh, for for this to happen. But essentially, it ended up being I'm talking on the phone with her, and I can somehow see myself essentially flying to her house. Um, 
and she's like, oh, no, you know, you're full of it. I'm like, no, no, I'm telling you. I'm like, give me just a minute, and I'm going to describe your house to you. And I'd never been there. Um, and sure enough, you know, like 30 seconds later, I'm like, okay, here I am. This is, you know, I'm, I'm going to come through your front door. Um, here it is. This is what your, your living room looks like. And, you know, she's still kind of blowing it off. And I said, all right, let's do this. Do me a favor and go open the, uh, go into your bathroom and open the right hand door, or the, the door on the right, or the handle uh, cabinet, I'm sorry, uh, on the right. And I'm going to tell you what all's in there. And she's like, okay, like now this is starting to get weird. <clears throat> and so I proceed to tell her a handful of objects that are in this drawer. And she's like, all right, like, you're officially freaking me out. And I said, all right, let me, let me ask you one thing. Do you have sliding glass doors on the back side of your living room. She was like, there's no way you could know that. I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, I just told you, you know, there's a brush and there's this and that. Um, in the store, she said, about six months ago, my parents remodeled and they closed those doors off and now it's just a wall. So there's no way you could have known that. So I, and that was pretty much the end of it. Like, uh, go ahead. Uh, you, so, Maybe I missed this, and if I did, I'm sorry. But you're you're talking to her on a phone. Correct. Your eyes are closed. And I, I don't think that they were while I was on the phone. They they might have been, but it was it was an out of body experience while maintaining everything. Like while you're having a conversation with her. Yeah, just like you and I are having now. Except for I would be able to, I would have been able to tell you you know, what's on your TV right now or, or whatever the case is. Whoa. But I, I don't know that astral projection is the, is the right. Maybe not. I'm, I'm not smart in it, but. Wow. Um, but kind of even, I guess the more weird thing is, is the fact that the version of, of her space that I saw wasn't the up-to-date version. It was, yeah. you know, at least six months old. When, when they still had sliding glass doors. That's weird, dude. Yeah. Again, it, it was involuntary. It's it's never happened again, uh, at least not in my consciousness, not you know that I know of. Um, I've never tried to do anything like that again. I, I, I don't know why. I never had any real reason to. Um, but yeah, it's like a, a one and done there. Wow. That's strange. That's super strange, dude. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it, it starts to get stranger as I get older um, for, for a while. Um, that same stretch of years, um, I started, you know, I told you as I started to get a little bit older, I started, you know, getting back in touch with, you know, religion and God and trying to figure figure that piece out. And uh, I was doing some Bible work, and you know, I was in a, a small Bible group at school. Um, going back to the church piece, I all but six months of my life, well, I guess all but a year, I think two different six months stands for, uh, I spent in Christian private school. Uh, so, I mean, it is, it's always been there, you know, Bible class, uh, every day chapel once a week was, was my whole growing up. Um, but I was working on some Bible stuff, uh, for this, this small Bible group that I was in. And, um, all of a sudden, man, I was just like covered in fear. Um, I just felt like there was something behind me. I was sitting in my bedroom uh, at our house. Um, at this point, we're back in South Florida. I've skipped over some moves. But um, 
I was I was so scared, uh, like that something was behind me, that something was going to get me. Um, it was random. I mean, it's you know, six thirty, seven o'clock at night. And there's there's nothing to it. Supper's been eaten. I'm, I'm doing some homework. Uh, I scooted my back up against the wall. I was sitting on my bed, and man, I could not get any closer to the back of the wall to feel safe. Uh, and and right after that, I felt this burning sensation on my left shoulder, um, and was was pretty much paralyzed. Um, there there was no moving. There was no screaming. Um, I was I was conscious and aware, but there there wasn't anything I could do at that particular moment. Um, and that lasted for what seemed like an eternity. It was probably 20 or 30 seconds. Um, and then when I could finally move, um, I jumped up and I ran to my bathroom and I took my shirt off and there were three long finger-like burns or, or red indentations on, on my left shoulder um, that covered the cap. So they were probably about six or seven inches long. Uh, and then three small, um, almost like uh, like a nail indentation, but it was just barely, just a just a, a fine fine scratch um, where like three nails would have been, like fingernails. So you uh, had you had both the scratches, but then you had an impression from where the fingers were at. Correct. Wow. We interrupt this broadcast with breaking news: Manscaped now sells beard products. That's right, they are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. From a beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature look. You can finally use Manscaped products to tame your facial squatchiness by going to manscaped.com and using the code UNCOMFORTABLE22 for 20% off and free shipping. As below, so above. At long last, gentlemen, you can now tame your mane. No one likes a weird and wild beard, so say goodbye to all your stubble troubles with Manscaped's Pro Beard Kit. In the spotlight, the Beard Hedger. Let me tell you, this thing is a wild man in fixing your facial ferocities. First off, the cordless trimmer has an adjustable rotary wheel giving you 20 cutting lengths, all in one guard. That's right, 20 lengths with just one guard. Plus, it's waterproof, so just squatchifying yourself is easier than ever in the shower. The titanium-coated T-blade is tough enough on hair but smooth on your face with efficiency and satisfaction one stroke at a time. The Pro Kit doesn't end there. They have created four dermatologist-tested formulations for your post-trim care. Your beard hair is more coarse and easier to damage than the hair on your head. That's why the kit has the Beard Shampoo and Conditioner, specifically designed to moisturize, reduce ingrown hairs, replace natural oils, and promote beard health. Next, apply Manscaped's Beard Oil. No one wants a guy whose beard is brittle and dry. This oil relieves dryness on both the beard and the skin beneath, while adding a shimmer and shine, making you look extra fine. Finally, top off with Beard Balm, a pomade that shapes, styles, moisturizes, and tames for a sculpted look sure to attract any species of mate. The Pro Beard Kit also comes with three free gifts, a beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is impressive for anyone's sisters or misters. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code UNCOMFORTABLE22 when you visit manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code UNCOMFORTABLE22. Manscaped. Beard header. One stroke. One guard. Um, first and only time anything like that's happened, I have been touched a, uh, a few times. But... Um, that particular time, and, and now that so I think this is part of the reason why I want to discuss some of this and, and have have somebody to give some feedback. Going back to the 
you know, are, are people of um, how I grew up, um, you know, either testing more or is, is their faith tried or yeah. whatever. That would have been a really good point for me to be like, hang on, <laughs> you know, like here I am reading the Bible and, and trying to do the right thing and trying to study the word. And um, something like this happens and, you know, throws me backwards into wondering, what is this all about? And, and it succeeded as far as that goes. Like, I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm going to do this. Like, you know, and I, and I probably didn't for, for several weeks. Um, and, and then kind of right about, actually, yeah, right about that time. Now that I'm, I'm putting it out there uh, about the time I was, uh, like late 14, early 15 years old, like I was good. I didn't, didn't want to have anything to do with church. Um, any of that started doing stuff that young punk kids do for a couple of years. Um, and, and that was it. Um, we moved to Kentucky um, just before I turned 16, uh, back to Kentucky, back to the Louisville area. And, uh, and that's where a handful of stuff happened. Between 16 and 19, um, I mentioned Waverly Hills earlier. So this is like 96, 97 before Waverly Hills was anything, you know, before anybody knew about it, uh, you know, on a grand scale like we do now, um, we would sneak in. Um, there was a, down at the bottom of the hill, there was a, a apartment complex. We would park down there because they would lock the, the gates up at night if you went to the park entrance and the, the old entrance that went up to the hospital um, stayed locked. <clears throat> so if we knew we were going to be there after hours, we would park at the apartment complex and hop a, it was like an eight foot tall or so big tall chain link fence, uh, which is pretty much how everybody got up to Waverly back then. And we would go, you know, ghost hunting as we knew it. Um, and I mean, it's the same thing everybody reports now. Um, you know, these small, dark shadow figures, like darker than dark, blacker than black, um, just darting room to room, darting down the hallway. Um, sometimes if, you know, I mean, there was usually four or five, six of us. Uh, you would see them, if somebody was out in front of you, a lot of times you would see a, a, a shadow person, a shadow figure walking side by side with, you know, with somebody in front of you. Um, and that became the point. Yeah, that's... Let me ask you, like, going into Waverly with five other guys, mm-hmm. were you experiencing more than the others? Or, or were you all? I was usually the first to see anything. Um, I can't, I can't speak for anybody else. You know, I, I can say that they'd be like, oh man, that's crazy. Or like, you know, and every now and then somebody else would, you know, they'd see one or two or three or, or whatever. Uh, but I was generally the first to pick up on, on something. Um, and a lot of times I would, I mean, I, I seem to, to pick up on, on negative energy pretty quick or feel it pretty quick, um, whether it's in a space or on a person. Um, so a lot of times it was almost like a, like a trigger warning. Like I would, I would feel it and then I would look and see it, you know, like I would, I would feel, you know, something was about to happen or, or whatever the case is. And, and then, you know, something would happen, whether you would hear, um, and, and at least back then I haven't been to Waverly since it's been, you know, occupied and turned into a, a travel destination. But 
you know, you would hear what would sound like, you know, stuff hitting the ground, um, whether it was a rock being thrown down the hall or whatever, but Waverly was an old, you know, falling apart building. So I, I, I don't want to say that, you sure. know, yeah. her, um, you never know what part of that building's falling apart. Um, but you definitely hear things, but the, the shadow entities, I mean, they've been documented well anywhere. Um, but that was, it was definitely something, something legit. We did that all the time. I mean, it, it, we might go two weekends out of the month, um, and hang out. We'd have friends that would be like, hey, I heard y'all go to Waverly. Boys want to go. And we would take them on tours. Uh, I know that place, know that place pretty well. <laughs> um, and we did a lot of that for kind of those those high school years with quote unquote ghost hunting. We uh, we used to go to this place called Mitchell Hill, and it's a hill in Louisville, and right up there, it's kind of spooky. There's an old cemetery there. Um, the Mitchells still live there, or they did back then, and we didn't know much about them, uh, but apparently this is something that kids did for a long time. My buddy's dad be like, oh, yeah, we used to we used to go four-wheeling up on Mitchell Hill. Man, those people are, that's a different breed up on, you know, up on Mitchell Hill, and we never thought much about it, but we'd remember seeing this old house um, that looked creepy. So one night, we're like, hey, let's, let's drive up to Mitchell Hill and, and go check out this house. And so we did, the, a group of us, there was, uh, I think five of us, yeah, five, three guys, two girls, all crammed in. I don't remember what kind of car it was, but like a, a storm, like a, I mean, it was tiny. Uh, so we pull up in, in front of this house, there's a gate, and um, that's maybe 20 or 30 feet from the front of the house. Grass is overgrown, um, probably three, four feet tall kept the lights on nobody really wants to get out of the house i mean we also know that we're trespassing and it's a little more personal because it's not you know a big way really where you can kind of get away quick if you needed to um so we decide that we're going to leave the headlights on the car on um there's some houses down the road but nothing that's really going to see these headlights where we're at and uh so we're about to hop the gate and a couple people are kind of straggling still unsure of the situation and, and what we're getting into and uh, it was just myself and one other guy that, that walked up to the gate and we're about to hop over and we're, we're looking forward, you know, looking in front of us um, and somebody from the back hollers is like, hey, let's, let's just, let's just turn around. Let's, let's do Waverly tonight. I'm like, oh, I don't know. It'll be fine. Well, we turn around and there's a man standing between us and the house. Um, Heavy set guy, probably. 280, 300 pounds, maybe five six, five eight. Um, he's got old, like bottle rim, thick, like Coca-Cola, thick bottle glasses on. Uh, white shirt, uh, dark pants. The shirt is dirty, um, almost like a like a mechanic. Um, but it, it, there appeared to be blood on the shirt. So we're all freaked out. Uh, <laughs> Turn around, get in the car. Let's go. Let's go. <clears throat> so we pile up in this car. And we back out, and um, it's only maybe 50 yards to the main road where we have to hang a right and then just a short distance and hang a left um, to go down the hill. There's a a field in between. So we see the guy. He doesn't say anything, doesn't do anything. Uh, We turn around, get down the road. We make our right-hand turn, and all of a sudden, the guy is from the house in the middle of this field. It's physically impossible for him to have made it that far in these handful of seconds. Um, and then we take off down the road and we're out of there. Everybody's freaked out. I mean, we, we all go to a friend's house and crash for the night. Well, 
uh, me and one of the buddies that was there, we decided to go back up there um, a few days later during the day and just kind of get a lay for things and see, you know, what we were what we were looking at. And I got there, we were still too freaked out to get out of the car. But there looked to be writing all around the doors and the windows. The place appeared to be abandoned um, you know, by every possible way you could look at it. I can't say it was, but we couldn't make out what the writing was. Um, but it appeared to be letters and numbers uh, written from top to bottom around all the door jams and all the windows. Um, definitely, you know, weird, but whatever. There's a lot of weird folks around. Um, continued on down down this road and. It was like something out of a movie. Like everyone was sitting out on their front porch. I say everyone, I mean, there's probably five or six houses, but like everybody was sitting out on their front porches and everybody just stared at us as we drove by and drove back down. It was just this weird, eerie. Just had a funky vibe, huh? Yeah, it was strange, man. Uh, but the dude, I mean, I, I can, I wish I could draw cause I would, you know, I, I remember him that vividly as to what he looked like. Um, the fact that he appeared, I mean, unless he was laying down and laying down in the grass and could sprint at an unbelievable speed at that weight. And I mean, he was probably mid fifties is what he looked like. Um, the fact that he could move that sort of distance in that time frame is, is pretty much impossible. Did, did you know? Well, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's bizarre. Did, did you know? I mean, like when he moved, did, did his legs look like they were? moving in you know in a in a style of, that he'd be walking or was it just kind of a like if he was on an escalator and just moving so i didn't see him move personally i don't know if anyone else did you okay. know, so we we back out and, and take off i don't know if anyone happened to look out the back window or not i got um, you so he was he just happened to appear again yeah so okay. as we got you, that, got you got you got you yeah we made that right hand turn and he was to our right at that point, not behind us anymore into that field. So uh, we just saw him standing there, and then that was it. We were we were gone. Never went back up to Mitchell Hill at night again after that. Wow. Yeah, that's... So, you know, like we, you, you stated that, you know, it looked like there was blood on his shirt. Um, what, what were the lighting conditions that you saw him in? Uh, well, he was... He would have been probably 10 to 15 feet away from us with high beams on the car. Oh, so, wow. Close. Yeah, but I'll say it, it didn't look like fresh blood. Like it was old, yeah. dry between, you know, that, that darker red and the dirt. More like smudge. It went like he was dirty. It almost looked like, you know, old grease. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was weird. And then again, it's one of those things where it's it's incredibly vivid, the, the picture that I have of, of that individual. Um. And that goes into the things, you know, that I, that I don't understand and, and can't really explain or reconcile with religion. Like, I, you can say angels and demons and, and this and that, but like when you start saying, you know, like I saw my grandparents when I was young and I almost think we're looking just, we're looking at a, a blip in time, a blip in the reel of, you know, dimensions. And it, it speaks to the possibility that, you know, everything exists all at the same time. If linear time doesn't exist, I mean, there's so many rabbit holes. I know. And that that's one that I've, I've kind of, I've tried to kind of keep it bay for a long time. You know, I, I, I consider it and I, you know, I have deep thoughts about it, but I always try to keep it at bay. But, you know, a lot of these things seem to point to 
seen a, a, a past time. Mm -hmm. the, it's, you know, I mean, are we seeing a window into, you know, it, once something's happened, it's always, it always has to have happened, right? It, it's everything that's happened has happened, you know, right. and, and if there's energy associated with all of that, energy never goes away, right? Yeah. can change forms, I guess they say, but, you know, is that what we're seeing? Is it, you know, oh, man, that's weird. But, you know, then you look at it from the context of they say, well, you know, everything in the past, the present, the future has already happened and will continue to happen and will happen an infinite number amount of times. Why don't we ever really see into something that we would consider being futuristic then? Right. Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense when, when you sit there and try to reconcile it all. But then there's some people that, you know, say they have. Yeah, that's true. You know, so I don't know. And why is that more hard to believe? than seeing back into the past. Because people seem to be readily open to residual hauntings as being something that is just a infinite playback of, of something that happened in the past. But yet when somebody says, I've seen into the future, then all of a sudden you're nuts. <laughs> you know, there, there seems to be, you know, wh what are we talking about here, people? I mean, there is no difference. We're just talking about previous versus future. Right, I, I guess, and I don't know, I've never really, I guess, thought about it, but I guess the concept to, to say you can see something that's already happened is because what's in the future hasn't happened yet, you know? And again, you go to that time piece of what is time. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not sure, but uh, I know you're a big Squatch fan, and I've, over the years, have, have been getting into that myself, so I'm going to jump ahead just a little bit because uh, this encounter is just cool. Um, and I didn't know what it was for, for probably years. Um, so where um, we would go fishing all the time, this is my junior, senior year in uh, high school. We would go to Taylorsville Lake in Taylorsville, Kentucky, um, probably every weekend, every other weekend. And we would go catfishing at night. Um, we used to go Friday. Yeah, after school, we'd go get food, get ready, and, and we'd go out fishing. And uh, this particular night, it was me uh, and two buddies. One of them worked a full-time job um, throughout high school. So by the time we did anything, like, he was always tired. Um, and he would fall asleep every single night we went fishing. Like, he'd get there, he'd set right up, and he would go to sleep. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we'd mess with him and pick at him and, and whatnot. But... This is good, clean fun. We're not, you know, drinking. We're not doing anything like that. We're just out fishing. So we're sitting there one night on the bank. Um, the particular area uh, at the lake where we're, we're fishing is down a big hill. There's a parking lot up top. Um, there's a big hill. There's two ways to get to this spot. Um, it's either parking up there and walking down this ridiculously steep hill. That's fine going down. It's carrying your gear up uh, when you're going back home. Or... Um, basically across this park um, of the actual like the state park area where you can walk but you're talking miles um, so there's, there's two ways into this spot one of them is practical the other way is not practical um, and nobody in their right mind is going to transfer through the woods to get to this fishing spot um, so we're sitting there fishing um, the three of us are probably 
10 feet apart. Um, we are sitting on the bank, sitting on some rocks. And we don't hear anything, nothing out of the ordinary. We're chit-chatting, doing whatever, fishing. Uh, all of a sudden, there's a big splash in the water. A rock lands in the water. And a fairly, I mean, I'd say substantial size, the size of my hand, um, you know, good size rock. <clears throat> so we're kind of freaked out. We instantly think that, you know, one of our buddies, you know, pretty much where we've been fishing all the time, one of our buddies has somehow snuck down there, even though it, it would have been next to impossible to do so. Um, so we instantly turn around with flashlights. Um, I think I had a headlamp on and we see nothing. And we kind of sit there quiet for a minute, don't see anything, don't hear anything and just kind of brush it off. Now, there's not reports of Bigfoot. We're not, I'm, I've never heard of any um, at, at this point, you know, when 97, 98, um, heard of anything like that around there. So that thought never enters our head and I didn't know much about Bigfoot at that point anyway. So we continue on doing what we're doing and it was probably five minutes later, a, a huge stone like. I mean, it, it had to have been you know, 10, 12 inches wide and then probably four or five inches um, thick. You actually could hear it coming over our head and it landed probably five feet in the water from the bank. In front of you, yeah. Yeah, so. So you could, you could hear it flying over your head. Yeah, yeah, we could actually hear that one. Uh, so we turned around and, and more out of anger at this point, like, all right, that was close. Like, whoever's doing this, like, come on. So, woke up our friend, uh, who kind of dozed back off already, and we all just, I mean, we stay about the same distance, 10, 12 feet apart, and we walk up the woods. Um, I couldn't tell you how far we walked. I bet we walked 50, 60, 70 yards. Um, flashlights, you know, looking 360, looking up, like yeah. some hiding behind a tree, somebody's hiding in a tree. Nothing. So, we're we're a little freaked out, but we're, we're pretty committed to catching some catfish. Uh, so we go and we sit back down, and um, it was about five minutes later again. Um, pretty much the exact same thing happens again, except for this time the rock hits the bank. It doesn't go into the water. It actually lands between me and, and one of my buddies. Um, we left all of our gear at the lake. We took off, took off running, whatever we could grab, and we took off running. Um, Jimmy stopped, ran all the way up the hill. There were no other vehicles at the top of that place. Um, Yes, there wasn't anybody physically up there. Uh, and we actually came back the next day and, and, and found our stuff. We got back early that next morning, on Saturday morning, and uh, and got our stuff. But that was the end of it. We were pretty freaked out. We didn't fish there for, for quite some time. But again, we didn't know what to make of the incident. You know, Bigfoot wasn't on anybody's minds right. back then. Um, so that was that was it. Now, I've got a couple more stories from, from Taylorville as well, but um, they don't come for um, a few years later. I think I was like 23, 24, home on leave or on vacation or something from the Army. And my brother and uh, me and my brother taking my dad fishing. We were on a boat this time and we're uh, bass fishing ledges and in and out of these coves. <clears throat> well, one of us gets hung up on a, on a tree branch. So we're, we're moving into into the lake or moving in, into the bank and it's fairly dark already it, it wasn't quite all the way dark but you know kind of that that dusky time frame and i have this like overwhelming fear i'm in a boat 
and I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to go up there. Like, let's cut the line and be done with it. And uh, we'll do that. And we continued to go up there, and, and I just remember being incredibly fearful and feeling like there was something, you know, standing above us. The the bank would have been a f- couple feet, two, maybe three feet, kind of above my head or, or anybody's head standing in the boat to, to get this lure out. Um, and I don't actually recall if, if we got it or not, but all of a sudden I do remember, like, smelling something funky. Um, and then we, we scooted out of there, and that was the end of it. Um, but fast forward a handful of years, and there's been several several different experiences from, from folks in the same location. Um, and we'll just stay on this track. We'll, we'll go forward. Um, my brother and I, let me see, I was... When was this? So this is about three years ago. <clears throat> We're fishing, uh, same lake, different location, but not too far from where this would have happened. And my brother's telling me about uh, uh, some tree knocks that he heard while fishing in the same spot not too long um, prior to, to us being there. And I said, you know what? Before we go any further, we haven't been sitting down very long. So before we go any further, I'm going to get my phone out and I'm going to bring up the you know, the recording piece just in case we hear anything. Yeah. I'm not even kidding. By the time I had my hand in my back pocket where my phone was, we hear this like grunt, guttural growl and like these like stomps like dum dum dum. And what I think and it's a small critter, possum, raccoon, I don't know what they all sound like uh, when they're in distress, but some type of a small varmint in distress, like a, like screeching, um, being chased by something very heavy footed. Uh, and then you heard no like, kidding. yeah, then you, we heard like, I'm not, like a, like a crutch almost like, almost like he just grabbed it and, or whatever it was, grabbed it and snapped it in half. Yeah. And then that was it. You didn't hear anything else. You didn't hear tree branches. You didn't hear footsteps. That was it. It happened from the time I could touch my back pocket to the time I had my phone in front of me, like it was over. Um, so I obviously didn't catch that on, on anything. That was the old snatch and grab. Yeah. The old Sasquatch snatch and grab. <laughs> so then, same lake. Um, this was uh, last year. So I've been going up to hunt with my brother uh, the last couple of years. And uh, big snow moved in before, um, well, it started coming in the night I got there. There was uh, four or five inches on the ground in the morning, that next morning. So I mean, my brother got stuck. Um, I was essentially stuck. I couldn't go into town, but I, I could drive to where I wanted to hunt. It was just a mile and a half, two miles down the road. Um, so I did that, hunted, nothing. Um, they were doing some logging in the area. Uh, where we typically hunt, so I had to kind of move locations, uh, but this place is overloaded with deer. Um, saw very little deer sign um, for all the first hour. I just seen like two sets of deer tracks um, and probably covered three or 400 acres um, of, of overall land. So uh, fast forward a couple of days, I'm, I'm not seeing any, any deer activity at all, which is incredibly unusual for this area. So my brother finally links up with me to get the roads cleared. Um, so we have one day to hunt together. We go hunt. Um, we see some good deer sign, but we don't see any deer. Um, we always see deer. You can cannot see deer out in that area. 
so we're sitting, we've got to, we, we actually changed spots, um, I think three different times throughout the course of the day, um, just trying to figure out activity at, at a location we weren't necessarily familiar with. Trying to get on them, huh? Yeah. So we're finally set up, um, you know, right before the evening, uh, kind of, you know, that, that last 20, 30 minute window. Sitting there, I'm maybe five feet from my brother, uh, sitting up on a tree, and I hear something, I hear a noise. It's strange, it's it's kind of familiar, but just something doesn't, doesn't quite seem right about it. Uh, I kind of thought it was a coyote. So I look over my brother and I mouth like, coyote question, you know, kind of put my hands up. And he kind of looked at me funny and shook his head, yeah. Well, about, I don't know, 30, 45 seconds after that, we heard a bunch of coyotes that sounded like coyotes, um, but they sounded like they were almost in distress and they were they were running uh, running away from something or towards something i, I can't say um, i've heard a ton of coyotes in the woods you know throughout the years um i can't say that it that it wasn't a sick coyote um or or something of the sort but it was it was strange for me to not quite understand what i had heard and then to actually hear what you know a regular coyote would sound like yeah. um, but it wouldn't be till later in that evening and, and the oncoming week or two where we kind of got to talking and, and, and thought maybe the coyotes we heard were sounded more like they were in distress and running away from something as opposed to, you know, running towards something. But again, I've never seen one, but, uh, you know, between tree knocks and um, those, those couple of experience there, I firmly believe that there's some in that area. Well, I think if you can if you can reasonably deduct that there's nobody else in the area, mm-hmm. and and you're hearing these things, and they're extremely consistent with thousands of other reports. I mean, I don't think it's a stretch to 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 make the assumption that you're in a vicinity that that these things are taking up residence. For sure. Um, so that same, this is the same time frame last year. So I, I hunted two days by myself and, and the one day with my brother. So it was the second day I was there. We're finally getting to the paranormal turkey. <laughs> the paranormal turkey. I told you folks it was coming. So I'm, I've been in the woods uh, pretty much all day. I was freezing. It was so cold. Um, and I hadn't seen anything uh, at all. Um, very, very little sign of anything. So I'm walking down the trail, coming out of the woods, and I see what looks to be turkey print. You know, they're, you, can, you can't miss them. Um, big, you know, three-prong. It looked a little bigger than what I'm used to, but, I mean, I live in the south now. Everything, you know, further north and further west you go, the bigger it gets. Uh, so I just think it's a big turkey. But it, it followed my tracks step for step, um, you know, you know, I had a trail coming in and I followed that trail going back and I almost stepped in the same you know, footprints going out because there was less snow there. And this thing like mimicked my path. It, it should have been close enough where I, I probably would have at least seen it. I would think based on the tracks and, and where I ducked into the woods at, but you know, I didn't, didn't see, didn't hear anything. Um, so I'm, I'm headed out of the woods and walking back to my vehicle and uh, probably I'd say for probably 150, 200 yards worth of, of my tracks, this turkey um, was pretty much step for step with me. 
you know, I'm almost in my car, maybe 50 yards away. I've got to come around a small little bend to the right, and there's a, a small opening, maybe maybe an acre's worth of land that doesn't have any trees. And so I'm coming around there, and I see what I'm, I'm calling a, a turkey. Um, we're going to call it paranormal because it was anywhere from four and a half to five feet tall at the head. Um, it, Jesus. Uh, yeah, it had a, had a huge body. Um, I would say two to three times the size of a, of a typical turkey, um, feathers down, you know, so it wasn't, it wasn't fluffed up, it wasn't a big tom. Um, but its neck was the rest of it, like feet were, you know, kneel, they're six inches maybe. Um, so, you know, we're talking three and a half, four feet of neck and then a head. Um, I came around this corner, it turned and looked at me and acted surprised like you know when you get startled you're like oh you know if you see yeah. something or something pops around the corner it was like that it was like a, a human response to where it, it kind of perked its head up and then just was like oh crap there's somebody there and then it it took off running um and it was it was gone i can't tell you if it if it went into the tree line and disappeared or if it disappeared at the tree line um I mean, did it behave like a turkey? I mean, I mean, they have a very unusual strut when they, when they're walking fast. I mean, was it? it was the stride seemed longer than a, than a typical turkey, but given you know, given the body anatomy, it would it, its stride would have to be yeah. would have to be based on its size. Um, but I, I mean, I can't reconcile the neck. Um, it it had, and I mean, I had to look back at it and think back on it and. I was freezing cold and, and you know, ready to get back to the trip. You know, so going back to when you when you first noticed these uh, these tracks alongside yours, uh-huh. um, did you know? Did you happen to take note or even realize the the breadth of the uh, the length of the stride between the the tracks? I mean, did it seem unusually spaced out for a, tur- a turkey? I didn't think about it at the time. Um, again, it all happened so fast and I just, you know, was like, I guess it was just a big turkey. Like I didn't, I didn't put a lot of thought process, yeah. but the stride, the stride between, uh, print to print was probably about two feet. Um, so it's, I mean, it's, a, it's substantial for a bird, sure. um, especially for, you know, what you would think your typical turkey to be. Um, but I, I can't, I can't think of another bird in the area that would, you know that would that would be that type of stride, maybe a like a, a, some type of a crane, which you'll see some maybe egrets or something out that way. But um, those are you know a little more easy to identify, though. You know, long legs and slender body, and they do have a longer neck. But um, yeah, and I guess the only reason really I, I labeled it paranormal, paranormal was in the in the context of Bigfoot, where if if we're talking interdimensional creatures, maybe maybe that's what I saw—just some strange interdimensional bird. Um, that was that was there and gone, but you know there were the physicality of, of tracks to it. Uh, wow, that's yeah. a big bird, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's huge. Uh, yeah, I can't I can't make any sense of it uh, as to I, what it, it could be. You know, my brain wants to go to you know was was it uh, um, <clears throat> was it a heron or a sandhill crane that maybe had you know like a some kind of congenital birth defect or you know 
Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've seen a ton of sandhill cranes. I know folks that hunt sandhill cranes. Um, Coloration-wise, they're considerably different, as well as a heron. I mean, they're almost yeah. a, a bluish gray. Yeah, and this was a darker. I mean, it, and I think that's the other reason why I kind of lended myself towards turkey. It was, you know, darker in color, browns, and shimmery, too. It had that, you know, that sheen that turkey feathers have. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like that, too, but um, it was like the the body of a hen um, with, you know, a four-foot-long neck uh, and, a, and a, a bigger head. Uh, but it wasn't... It wasn't it wasn't necessarily a turkey head. It, it was kind of bigger and more beak. You know, turkeys kind of have that flat, and they had, you know, the. So, I mean, its head was probably the size of my fist, um, not including beak. Like, it's actually. Wow. So, uh, but yeah, not a clue, man. I just had to, I had to label it something other than freaky turkey. So. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, That'd be quite a sight to come around a corner and and see that. Oh yeah, especially you know I'm, I'm thinking if I catch up to it, I'm gonna see just a turkey, you know. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely strange. But looking back in your mind's eye, as as far as the length of time that you saw it, what would you guesstimate? Uh, probably ten seconds at best. So um, a, a relatively good amount of time for you to get a good visual assessment of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I came around the corner. I saw it before it saw me, and I'm assuming it heard, you know, the snow crunching or, or whatever, and it turned to its right to see me, did its little startle thing, and then it ran for at least 8 to 10 yards, I said, before it hit the tree line. And I, like I, said, I cannot remember for the life of me if it disappeared at the tree line or if it just ran into the trees. I mean, I'm going to say the latter, and it just ran into the trees. But I pretty much lose it at that point, um, as far as my memory goes. Oh, that's that's a that's a different one, man. That is different. Now that's not to say people haven't seen large birds, right? Wow. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely strange. Um, I haven't seen anything like it since. I've, I've looked some stuff up on the internet and haven't really been able to find anything that, that I thought resembled it. Um, it's been it's been wild just trying to think about it and figure it out and just to not be able to come up with, with any definitive conclusion that makes sense as to, to what this bird could have been. Yeah. Um, but there was no, you know, there was no, uh, there was no wing movement to it. You know, I've seen turkeys get spooked and, you know, fly for, you know, 100 yards. Sure. Um, there was none of that. It just took off running and, and stayed on the ground. Um, and it would have been an easy spot for, you know, a winged flying creature to take off being in a, says about an acre size uh, opening. So yeah, it had plenty of room to, you know, take a few steps and take off if that were the case. Wow. Yeah. You've had some exer- experiences, my friend. I have, man. A um, couple more. Uh, there's, there's one in particular, uh, this one kind of escaped my mind until until just recently. Um, I was in Ecuador a handful of years ago um, doing a pilot show for a reality TV series uh, that never got picked up, but we were doing the pilot nonetheless. And um, my we were out uh, out in the jungle on a on a remote farm, um, several thousand acres. Uh, they grew all sorts of stuff. Um, so part of um, this particular show are um, 
our cast and they were essentially contestants on a show. Um, they had to work at this farm for a couple of days and, and, and learn some things. So uh, at, at one point in the night, I had to go talk to talk to my cast. Well, they were staying in an, in an old church. So the, this particular farm had been in this family for, for years. I don't know how long, but the son of, of a woman, and he was probably in his mid to late 40s, uh, he and his wife were, were running the farm. So they had built a small village and a church for their workers. Um, that was just maybe half a mile from their house, um, but all on property. So they allowed um, our, our cast to bunk there. Um, our crew bunked in a small um, outbuilding, and then um, myself and uh, director bunked in the house with them. So every night, their routine, husband and wife, um, you know, they would shower, they would watch some show. I don't know what it was. They would watch a show together on TV before they called it a night. Well, I'd go down and talk to my cast. Um, they were a five, six-minute walk um, down, a, down a little path, kind of through a garden area. Um, I need to backtrack first. Sorry. When we first got there, um, we pulled up, and they kind of greeted us at the entrance and said, hey, we need you guys to be really respectful, like we're good to do the show. But um, one of the farmers... Um, died yesterday and they're essentially they're having his wake and then I don't understand you know or, or recall all of the, the things about the wake but I think he the the gentleman who died was basically um, you know taking care of putting a coffin and you know they put up uh, candles and whatnot and there was a, a three or four day time frame um, kind of where his wake where people from other villages and whatnot would have time to get there and pay their respects so it's basically just hey he's going to be here um he was out in the open kind of under an awning or um like a pavilion so we we drove past it and walked past it um for days um that was it so cool we're gonna be respectful we're gonna be quiet so fast forward three or four days and um i've got to go talk to my cast <clears throat> I walk through the living room. I say hey to the couple. I believe the gentleman's name was Pablo or, or something. Paolo, Paolo, maybe. Um, I keep trying to figure out which one of those it was. I think it's Paolo. Anyway, say hello to them. Uh, continue on through this garden. And there's a small uh, flat area and a fire pit. And um, it was a place where I think they you know host a party or, or you know have friends and hang out and they would you know do do that type of stuff. And. Uh, there's a gentleman standing in this little courtyard. So as I'm passing by 15, 20 feet, it was right down this path. Just hola, kind of wave at him and, and keep going. You know, he says hola and waves back. Well, I think it's Paolo. Matter of fact, I think I said his name. And I walk four or five paces past a tree, like I pass a tree, and I look back over and there's no one there. No way that anybody could have gone anywhere, you know, in those few seconds or went anywhere to go. It's a big open space. So I'm, you know, I'm a little disturbed. Uh, so I continue on a whole lot quicker in my step, get to my cast, tell them what I have to tell them, and get back up to the house. Well, I come in, and I, I go tell this man, I'm like, dude, I, I don't think this is possible, but is there any way that you were just down there? He's like, no, I've been sitting here the whole time. He said, why? What happened? And then I told him exactly what I told you. And his eyes, I mean, bigger than a silver dollars, he about turned white. He's like, dude, so me and this guy, and I forget his name. He said, we would get confused. People would confuse us as one another all the time. People would come oh, to me. Oh, the guy that passed away? Yes. They would think that I'm him or he's me. Um, he's like, it happened. It's been happening for years and years and years. He's like, I, I think you, you just saw him 
Like, I mean, it had to be, it had to be him. And he was, he was convinced that's who it was. I'm convinced it was a ghost. Um, you know, I can't speak as to, to hear what it was, but yeah. it, it spoke and waved to me. And then essentially within about three seconds was gone. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I had a feeling I knew where it was going, but I, I was not expecting the twist of those two having been confused for each other uh, because they look so much alike. Yeah, that was that was crazy. That just, you know, kind of made my heart sink even more like, oh, because I thought it was you. And I just it, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is this is wild. I think we were there one or two more nights and never had anything else happen. But uh, you know, even with all the experiences through life, like, um, I'm never really comfortable being in them or when it happens, like the, the ghostly stuff or the, the shadow stuff, like the shadow things I've kind of gotten used to, um, you know, see them and, and pretty much dismiss it. I don't know what or why, um, I've got, you know, some feelings, I think, I think going back to the good evil, you know, there's, there's good and there's, there's evil and there's bad and there's that in between where I just don't know, who knows what's peering in or why it is. Um, and you know, maybe maybe one day we'll we'll get it figured out. But um, kind of going back to that piece, so I do think I've I've dealt and experienced both um, you know both entities or, or, or two of the entities being you know evil or, or in between. I was walking. This was just recently in Walmart. Um, had my son had gone in to get a couple of things real quick, and before I could really finish the question in my head, I had the answer. Um, so I, I pass an aisle and about the time, like I physically get to the edge of an aisle, I'm, I'm heading towards checkout. Um, there's actually the, like the cosmetics and lotions and all that stuff, uh, to my right. Um, you know, they'll, they'll have like, um, you know, lotions or, uh, loofahs or stuff hanging on those little plastic things. Yeah. So, you know, all on the aisle, they'll, there's one about five feet down. As soon as I step to that aisle, the entire thing, not only does it come off the shelf, every single piece, it's like, like someone took their hand at the top of it and just rubbed their hand all the way down and everything fell off and crashed to the floor. So like in, in sequence, not, not just all of a sudden everything fell off at once. It was like something was brushing it off as it was walking along. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, weird. It was something that was hanging vertical on the shelf, though. It wasn't, you know, physically on the shelf. It was uh, it was vertical, hanging on the shelf. So everything was pulled off of this particular piece that it was hanging on, this plastic piece. And then the plastic piece fell. The plastic piece was essentially the last thing to hit the floor, I guess. It happened so fast. There was a, an older woman that was on pretty much on the other end of the aisle where she was noticeably freaked out. And my, my instant thought was... Like, what was that? It was it was so odd, but I knew there was context to it. Something just didn't randomly fall off. Yeah. And instantly, the answer in my head was, we just want you to know we're here. And I was like, whoa. What? Yeah. Um, the hairs on my arm are standing up right now. Uh, and that, that's happened a time or two where, like, I'll, you know, have a question in my mind and I'll almost instantly feel an answer. Um and, and to me that, you know, I, I do feel, I felt my whole life that there's, there's something negative, um, that's, that's out there following me, whether it's trying to, you know, keep me away from, from faith or, or doing, you know, maybe something I'm, I'm called to do. I don't know. I don't know what that is yet. Um, but there's, there's definitely a lot of this in between stuff, but that felt like one of those, like, Hey, you know, 
don't forget about us. We're here. We just want to let you know. Like, we ain't left you. We're... And that was it. And we went on about day. What can I ask? Like, when when you got that in your head, mm-hmm. was there a, was there an emotion or an intent or a um, a vibe that accompanied accompanied it? I mean, did you get it's evil? You know, this is I shouldn't be here, and this is something that shouldn't be here, or or was it just? Are you are you just making a jump to, you know, assuming that it was demonic? Um, I'm gonna say negative. I'm not gonna say demonic, you know, necessarily. Um, but it it definitely there was there was negative vibe to it. There's yeah. negative feel to it. Um, and I believe that something that is you know interested in, in who I am or what I'm doing for for or for what I'm not doing. Um, you know, for whatever reason has, has vested interest in me and just want to let me know I'm still hanging around. Um, and at this point, things like that are, you know, kind of commonplace where I don't know what to do with it or necessarily how to deal with it. Um, and, and what it all means. And I think I, I told you very early on when we started talking on at the end of the day and at the end of my life, I just want to know why. Uh, are your parents still with us? My mother is. My dad, that's a cool story. My dad passed um, two and a half years ago um, just from health complications, um, kind of the jumpstart of, of COVID, but didn't have anything. He didn't have COVID. Um, but actually, when I got home, I think it was the night. Um, I totally forgot about this. I think it was the night or the night after I'd gotten home. So I went up to Kentucky for a week. Um, I think he passed the second day I was there and stayed with my mom for a week and came home and I think I was home it was either the first night I got home or the second night I got home I went out on our back porch for something I was, I was going out to grab something and I walked out the door and immediately to the right on top of my um, TV up in the corner was an owl never seen one um, and it just sat there and did its little you know owl neck move and it followed me to kind of the edge of the porch where, where I was going and um, followed me as I went back in the house and I kind of just looked over at it and paused at the door for a second. Like I was kind of, you know, I was like, this thing will come attack me. Like this is kind of weird. Uh, stopped at the door and um, looked at it again and probably paused for 10 or 15 seconds. And it just sat there staring at me. Um, I don't know if the the spirits of, you know, the people in our past can uh, intelligently speak to us or, or, possess a bird uh, or, or whatever the case is um, but there there wasn't anything negative to it I know in a lot of you know Indian cultures and um, mystical ritual stuff that um, you know owls have a have more of a negative presence um, it felt very positive to me I, I can't say there's connection I've never seen an owl before yeah. never seen one since um, and there was never one at that house we were there for um, another year and a half year year and a half uh, never saw it again. And it wasn't for lack of looking. I, you know, after seeing it, I looked for several different nights, and every now and then, we just kind of glance out that way, and, and never did. I can't can't say what it is or what it wasn't, but um, it was kind of going back to the vibe thing. You just had a real positive vibe, um, but I can't say whether or not that that was my dad just saying, "Hey," kind of had that feeling. Wow. Yeah, that's that's strange that it would 
hang, especially that it would hang around with you for as long as it did <clears throat> without getting spooked off. Yeah. I've always heard that, uh, like the symbolism of owls represented, uh, like pretty significant change. Yeah. And it makes sense. Like I said, at that point, it would have been uh, approximately a week since he passed. So, I guess the point that I was that I was bringing up about you know whether your, your folks were still with us. Um, I'm I'm curious. Have you have you ever had conversations about the the lifetime of of weird stuff? Um, I have not with my dad. Um, I've probably talked to a couple things with my mom, but again, you know, the, it's either God or the devil kind of growing up scenario, uh, closed me off to a lot of that conversation. Well, I just thought that maybe, you know, as the years progressed there, they may have lightened their, their, uh, only, only good or bad, uh, stance. Um, so my mom was a lot more open-minded than, than I knew. And I don't think that, you know, because my dad, I don't think she entertained a lot of this. Um, and you know, I never knew about it growing up, but, um, there's actually a story that, you know, maybe we can get into a, another time about, um, her and my dad, um, where it's basically, it's a case of missing time. <clears throat> um, Years goes well before I was born. Um, sometime early, uh, late sixties, early seventies, I guess, um, where they were driving. I believe it was from Cincinnati to somewhere in Kentucky. I'm not sure where. Um, where essentially they remember turning off on the same exit like two or three, four different times. Um, oh no, kidding! Yeah, this this trip took them. You know, trip that should have taken them three hours took them you know, eight or nine hours or something. And there's, you know, I know what that feels like. You can speak to that. Um, and I need to ask her again. I hadn't thought about this in, in a long time. Um, but she said that both her and my dad had, I think it was either three or four marks on one of their ankles, like three or four dots, um, on, on each of them on the same ankle. I don't remember if it was right or left. Um, but I didn't hear about this story until probably just a couple of years ago. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So, um, I will revisit that, uh, tomorrow. My mother lives with us now, so I'll revisit that tomorrow with her and, um, and see if, you know, get, kind of get the details on that Yeah. and, uh, and wow, see that's if that's interesting. Still visible. If it is, I'll gladly snap a picture. Wow. That's, that's <clears throat> a weird one. Yeah. So yeah, that, that points in a in a very specific direction. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, Josh, listen, um, you know we've we've been at this for uh, a good while, and you know it may not be apparent to the uh, to the listeners uh, quite how long we've been on the phone. And well, we've been on the phone, Wi-Fi. We've been on the phone, cell. We've been on. Uh, we tried ZenCaster. Um, I, I finally, about 10 minutes ago, got my notification that I sent myself to, uh, get on Zencaster. Uh, yes. and then we ended up having to, uh, switch over to Skype, which has pretty much been flawless since we did that. 
Um, so if you do notice a distinctive change in the sound quality from, from Josh's side, um, I will do what I can to, um, make it not so hollow, but, uh, we, we did have to go through a number of different ways to actually be able to get this recorded because we were having all kinds of problems with, uh, our electronics as he was talking about these weird things, which if you listen to my show, you'll realize that that is not, uh, that is not that uncommon of a thing to have happen. So Josh, uh, Listen, it, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I've enjoyed our uh, interaction so far with the emails and the, and the previous calls. Um, please keep up with me. Um, let's revisit uh, doing this again uh, with some of the things because there were a number of things that we weren't able to get to. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed your, your, uh, your being on the show tonight. I appreciate it, Eric. I appreciate what you do. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, it, it's been it's been good, and you know, as you've noticed, I've been able to kind of recall a few other things and, and get detailed to some some other things. So we'll continue to work on that, and and uh, I'll look forward to getting on another show with you here in the future. Absolutely. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, you're talking about this hasn't stirred anything stirred anything up. So I'll let you know. Guys. It'll it'll be it'll make for good podcasting. It will absolutely. All right, my friend. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Thank you. We'll talk again. Bye. All right, guys. That's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Josh. His experiences, numerous. There were a couple in particular that really kind of got to me. Those large, shadowy, 30-foot entities on top of the warehouse. That was that was creepy indeed. And then, of course, the... Uh, creme de la creme the ghost turkey unreal anyway if you did please don't forget to leave us a five star rating and review wherever you can and share the show share it with your friends your family your co-workers more listeners make for more experiencers coming forward and if you've had an experience or have a story that you'd like to have shared on uncomfortable please reach out to me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com or message me on Instagram or Facebook. Until next time, my friends, stay uncomfortable.